the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. set up here um, before I get ready for my message. You can leave it there, actually, here, but I think that'll be fine. You can leave it there on the ground. I've decided, but your boy does work out a lot, so he's got the squat down. Um, so uh, before I get in a posture of doing my message, which I'm going to sit for, I just want to share about the wishing walls that some of you may have seen when you walked in this morning, or if you didn't see, I want to make sure you see on your way out. So um, my day job is to be the executive director for Heritage Ranch Christian Children's Home. We're a children's home that works with families in crisis from across the region. And our primary goal is family restoration and reunification. So boys come and live on our campus, but we also work actively with their families with a goal of getting them back home at the end of their time with us. So we started something a couple years ago called the Wishing Wall, and what we do is we ask our staff to give us a list of all the items that they need. Um, it, I feel like it's like me at my house, like I buy things for my kids, and then I'm like, oh, I have a little extra money. I'll buy some cups because that's what I want. No, you know, like you just buy what you have to have, but then there's these things that you think would really make your family life or your life better, but you always like put them on the back burner because they're not like a need, they're a want. Well, it's called the wishing wall because we give our staff, our house parent couple, our education coordinator, our office manager, everybody an opportunity to submit their wishes for the things that they feel would best serve the kids and the families at the ranch. So um, our goal is going to be over the next three weeks, we're going to be set up here. Um, we're one of the um, lo lo local missions that the church supports. Um, so we're going to be set up in the front and there's three walls. So. Our goal is to sell out all three walls over the three weeks. So um, we have a couple of ladies here that are either volunteers or work at the ranch that will be out there this morning um, after service. And so you can go and look. There's anything from, like, skateboards to, like, a pool table. So there's a lot of range. You can buy Windex for the house. I mean, it's all the different things. Pay for electricity for a month. Um, so just all different things. So we would just appreciate you uh, taking a look and considering how you could partner with us in that. If you have any questions about the ranch ever, you can just find me and ask me. So, all right, it's my commercial for that. I'm going to try to be like Paul. My little brother taught a few weeks ago, and he sat, and I was like, man, that looks so awesome. So much more awesome than standing for the whole time. So we'll see how it goes. Um, if I don't like it, I'll just end up standing up. All right. So I'm going to teach this morning. Um, okay. So um, in preparation for my message, I guess like about a month ago, I don't remember who spoke that morning. might have been Paul. Paul's last message. That was some good stuff. He talked about the imposter uh, syndrome. And anyway, it was really good. And so I left here and I was thinking, oh, man, i got to teach in like four weeks. And, you know, sometimes you like get really inspired and you know like three months before you're supposed to teach like what you're going to talk about. And then there's those times where you're just not feeling very spiritual, and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to ask my kids to engage with the Lord and tell me what I'm going to talk about, because Jesus probably knows what he wants me to talk about. So um, just to preface my sermon before I go into that, um, I guess starting in 2011, I really started to actively learn how to engage with heaven um, and um, kind of administrate. God's design, which is heaven on earth. So in the last song that we were singing, it's about our Father, and it says in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it's difficult to create heaven on earth if you actually don't know what heaven's design is like. And so I just started actively really, like, partnering with the Lord and just saying, okay, like, teach me how to engage with you in heaven and teach me what it would look like to bring that here in my daily life. And so started also teaching our kids that. So um, after we left church that day, we we're driving in the van, and I said to Mercy and Kai, I was like, could y'all go to heaven for a few minutes, ask God, Jesus, whomever, um, what I'm supposed to speak on for my sermon. Now, even though I, we do this, and I know it's real, it's just like the, the flesh just like creeps in. I'm like, 
wonder what they'll get. Will it make any sense? What's going to happen? So anyway, I just kept driving and waited. And a few minutes later, one of them's like, okay, I'm done. And so Kai goes, my son, he's eight. He's like, I don't know what this means, but God just told me Adam and Eve. I'm like, cool, that's broad, but that's good. It's a good start. Uh, so I was like, well, mercy, what did God tell you? That's mercy. So cute. Um, anyway, so she said, um, God told me you're supposed to talk about what it looks like to be connected to God. It's great. This is amazing. I know exactly what to teach about now. I'm just going to talk about what did it look like when Adam and Eve connected with God. So, um, and I want to share that at the beginning because one of the core things it looked like was face-to-face relationship with him where when you were like, hey, I have this question or I have this need, you just asked him. So me saying to my kids, hey, ask Jesus what he wants me to talk about, that is the design of heaven. That is the design of the garden. That is the design of God. Um, And so um, it was so funny. So I knew what I was going to talk about. I went home. I just love it when, like, I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit because everything is just easier. I had, like, all this inspiration. I wrote up my whole, like, bullets for the sermon, everything. Um, God even gave me this worship song to do at the end of it. And then, like, four weeks happened. I'm just going to admit that I didn't look at it again until Friday night, which you definitely shouldn't do if you're preparing for a message. But, hey, you know, i got a lot going on. So Friday night, I pulled out my notes, and I was like, okay, i got to get this ready for Sunday. So it's so interesting. Like, the first time I was working on it, I was just, like, so clear on what the Spirit wanted to say. But then Friday night, I was feeling stressed. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but usually when I'm stressed, I just go back into the flesh. So I start working on this message. I'm feeling a little stressed about it. I'm writing all this, and it's, I mean, I wrote it. I mean, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm okay talented on my own. So, like, I wrote a whole long message. And uh, and then I pulled it out and then this morning asked Micah to print it for me. That's my husband, Mike, over there. Isn't he awesome? That's right, Wes. Um, so <laughs> I had him print it for me, and we're in the car. I brought my laptop just in case on the way to church, and I'm reading it. I'm like, this is not it. What was I doing? Like, this is not it. Now, not the message was wrong, just the order. It didn't feel right. I wasn't feeling the spirit on it. I was like, I don't even want to give this message. That's probably not good. So I was like, okay. And I realized just like that's how easy it is. Like partnering with God, it's it's not about getting it right. It's just about trying it again and again. So I get here this morning. Um, I wasn't serving this morning other than doing this. And so I went into the worship room here, and I just sat down. I was like, okay, Jesus. And then I just reordered my notes. Most of it stayed, got out a little bit, and I finished, and I was pumped again about giving it. And, you know, it just reminded me, like, that is the nature of the relationship with God. It's so easy to just go back into, like, what I would want to say about a topic and what I would want someone to know. But I believe that when you're hearing what the Lord wants to be said, there's it's because he has something. He has something for me in the hearing of it and the process, and he has something for the people in this room. Uh, because God designed us for moments in time. Like this message isn't for another group of people at another time. Now, another group of people or a person could listen to it or whatever the case may be, but I just believe God is in the moment. So um, I'm going to talk about how to stay connected to God and what that looked like and what we learned about that in the garden and how we can do that today. Um, So... All right, so the first um, thing about the garden that has always obviously stood out to me is just that it's all about relationship and partnership with God. Um, and Christy's going to put up a verse for us in Genesis. And I'm going to start with it's Genesis 1, um, 19 through 22. Um, all right, cool. Did I give you the wrong, mm-hmm. yeah, might have just, I don't know, I think I just typed the whole wrong thing or something. Okay, yeah, just totally take that down. I'm just going to read what's here. Pretty sure this is not Genesis 119 or I mistyped something. Okay, so this is the verse I mean to read. Yeah, for real, take that down though. Um, so everybody just be confused, my bad. I was so excited because I had like five scriptures in my thing today, and then I got the first one wrong, so that's all good. Um, okay, so it said, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So um, whenever I was preparing my message and I was reading through Genesis, I just read it through it a couple of times. And um, when I came to this part of the scripture, the thing that just stood out to me was like how, how relational and casual it felt. I know when we read through like Genesis, it's easy to just get focused on like certain parts of it, but I was really like, God was just really highlighting it from like a relationship standpoint. And I thought about like really in real life, I always ask God like in real life that this was me, like what would this mean? And I'm like, this is literally just like an average day with God and Adam hanging out before Eve's there. And God's just like, hey, Adam, cool. Today we're just going to name all the animals. And, like, I'm, I'm envisioning. So one of my, I have a whole list of things I've asked God about, and one of my things is I'd like to go back to, like, the point of creation, like, in time before everything else was created and see what the earth was like. I haven't done that yet, so, but I'll let you know. Um, but I just envision, I'm like, this is literally just, like, God walking around. I got to figure they walked around for a long time or at least a while because you had to name all the animals. And I really think about like going to a zoo because I've never been on a safari. I would much rather go on a safari. But I'm like just walking around and I'm thinking this is literally just like this experience of me being like that. I'll call that that. Now, it sounds easy today. Could you imagine naming all those things? That's like serious business. But um, anyway, I just love this, this feeling of like I can envision doing this with somebody in my life. Like, you're just walking around and being like, hey, we're just going to name all these things. And so that's what stood out to me is that it was relational. Like, I don't know, sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, and he named all the animals. As though it's like this, like, super intense, like I can hear James Earl Jones' voice in my head. Am I right? I wish I could do that. Um, and, it, like, it, the animals are being named. But it more feels like it would be like if me and Cole were just like, hey, let's just go hang out in the zoo and make up fake names. And we would have, like, a great time just, like, doing that and it'd be fun. Right? Am I right? Um, and so think about that relationship with God. Like, this is what it was like. And that was just one thing, was naming the animals. I also think it's really awesome that God cared enough to give the animals, like, just naming them all. Um, and so, anyway, um, and then it says later that um, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. The Lord caused him to fall into a deep sleep. But, like, we read that in its one sentence. Well, I mean, if you encapsulated my entire life into a book... <laughs> you would miss a whole lot of sentences. So there are other things, and I'm not saying I don't believe this isn't the inherent word of it. I'm just saying there's a lot of things between the sentences that were happening because I'm pretty sure it wasn't like, hey, we're naming the animals, fall asleep at them. Like, they probably walked some other places and did some other things in between. Am I right? Okay, so I feel like is this like God, that Adam was talking to God, and he's like... Uh, I don't, I don't want to know giraffes. That doesn't feel like the connection. Uh, I'm not kidding. I don't know what it was like. I mean, like, you know, it's just like conversation. But I feel like there was a point where it's like, did Adam share that he wanted someone like himself to be in relationship was, with? It doesn't say that he did. But if we're made, with made for community and we're made from relationship, I imagine if I was somewhere by myself on an island that eventually I might be like, man, it'd be really cool if there was someone else. Now, I know he had God, which was amazing. Um, but anyway, so then God was like, okay, and he made him a helper, somebody that would partner with him and do life with him. And so um, I just eliminate that to say that it's just so relational. And um, that's what God's designed for us. You know, I think about Adam, and it's like God was his partner in everything. He was his spouse relationship, his best friend, his business partner. That was the person that he just did life with. And really, this is his design for us, that we have that level of relationship with him. And he calls us to have relationship with God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all three facets of himself, which are very different. So um, actually, um, I'm going to show a clip. Well, really, Christy's going to show a clip from The Shack in a minute. If you haven't seen The Shack, um, you should see it. It's amazing. Um, but I'll just preface this clip with saying um, the movie is about a man named Mac, and he is in a crisis of faith. And so he goes to the shack, um, which is a house, um, and he is going to go and meet. He doesn't know it yet. He's going to meet God, but he's going to meet the Trinity. And so this scene is actually going to be him meeting the Trinity. So 
we're going to go ahead and watch it, and then I'll talk more about um, this relationship. Make sure you're at the beginning of the clip, Christy. We'll wait till you get the volume because we can't hear it. <laughs> Technology, it's always the thing. perfectly before no you're good it's all good we don't care <laughs> it's all good it's no problem that's right we're gonna get it a bit <laughs> look at you very well, but we can work on that. I've been so looking forward to this, to finally see you face to face. Can I take your coat and that gun? We wouldn't want anyone to get hurt, now would we? I understand it's confusing. We all do. You will do this on your terms and time. How about some introductions? I'm Aluja. I have a lot of names, but that's one of my favorites. Or if you want, you can call me what Nan does. You know Nan? Oh, yes. Very well. You're saying that you're... I am. I am that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Already quoting scripture. You bet my son. Ready to see you, Mac. Your son. Of course. And, um, Sarah. Sarah who? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. It means a breath of wind. Right. So, which one of you is? I am. And you have no idea how much I love you. It's okay, baby. Let it go. We all collect things we value, don't we? I collect tears. It's good to meet you guys. All right. I can't watch too much of that movie. I cry a lot. Um, so, uh, anyway, great movie, and one of the things I love about the movie is that it's just relational all throughout. Um, there's a scene later in the same day where they're just sitting around the dinner table and talking, all of them together, and then there's a, um, he takes a walk with Jesus. I mean, it does end up involving walking on water, which was awesome, um, and then there's just a time spent in, like, his garden with the Holy Spirit, which is who she is. Um, and working in his garden. But, you know, it's seeing in that movie made real to me in such a way, like 
all of the Trinity and how and seeing in the flesh him interact with them and the way they meet him in different moments is so awesome. And um, I know I have friends and people I know that have spent a lot of time really getting to know each of the parts of God, literally spending one full year just getting to know the Father and one full year just getting to know the Holy Spirit and time just getting to know Jesus because the reality is he he, they minister to us in different ways and at different times. And so um, that is his design, is for us to distinctly know all the parts of himself. Um, so if you haven't done it, I would encourage you to take time to do that. Um, and, you know, another thing I love about this movie is that a lot of it is set either, like, in a home or in uh, Max Garden or in these places where they're just having relational moments. He's having relational moments with them. So um, whenever I engage heaven, like one of my favorite places to go is always like it always is like a relational place with God. And one place is just like a bench in the middle of a field and just sitting there and just like talking and asking questions, like literally like what's your favorite color and just talking about these things. And um, so for me, I'll like walk down to this pier and there's a canoe um, and it'll just literally be just like sitting in the canoe and just being there. And um, I'll be honest, I'm a little insecure talking about this because I haven't talked about it publicly. I'll talk to people I trust. But, you know, some people, when you talk about engaging heaven, they don't think that that is the norm of what God designed us for. So they may think that's a little out the box. But that is God's design, is heaven on earth. And again, that requires engaging heaven and partnering with him. You know, we're called to administrate the government of God. And it says we're seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And so often the things that we can't do on earth, it's because we're supposed to be doing them from the right hand of God, not from where we're positioned here. Um, so um, one of the things that when I was just really thinking about the garden, in addition to the fact that it's all about daily relationship with him, another important thing in God's design in the garden was that um, that relationship was not rooted and um, didn't face like dealing with shame because that identity was rooted in who God was and the way that we reflected God. Um, it says in Genesis 2.25 um, that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And so when they were walking in relationship with God, they walked without insecurity um, and they just related to him. There was no hiding they, you know, they weren't concerned about if they were good enough and if they were worthy. They were just what they were, and they were image bearers of God, and they had relationship with him and with each other without that insecurity that we have. Um, later in Genesis 3, um, 8 through 10, it says that, um, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Okay, so this is after they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and realized that they were naked, and so they went and hid from God. Um, and, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, it's easy to hear that and be like in our kind of our thinking, or at least my thinking. And let me just preface this with, like, I'm not a theologian. So if I say anything, the, you know, um, I was asking Micah, like, just making sure I'm interpreting that. It's so easy as a modern American Christian to read the Bible and miss all the actual context of what was happening in, in the culture. So I'll just say this. One, th one cool thing I've found about walking with God is that he's okay if you get it wrong, as long as you keep in relationship with him learning. I uh, figured out I'm more wrong about things and right about things the more mature <laughs> that I get. Um, but anyway, when I think about this, I'm like, it isn't like my modern concept of going, oh my gosh, I'm naked as if somebody suddenly like you're an adult and you don't have your clothes on. It was literally, oh my gosh, God can see me because they knew now what good and evil was. I think about like for me moments where like I'm in worship, you're in like worship and you're so engaged that like your thoughts just cease. You forget everything and you just feel so right. 
like no questions, no shame, nothing. And you're just like, this is what I'm meant to be and this is what it's like. Well, that is God's design for us all the time. That's what it was like in the garden. But then all of a sudden they eat the fruit and they know the difference between good and evil. And I looked up one of the definitions of shame and it says the definition is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. So they ate the fruit, and all of a sudden, shame floods in, and they are distressed because they are conscious of the fact that they just did something wrong. And I can only imagine you just did something wrong, and the one person that you love the most in the world, you know will know. And so what do we do? What did they do? Hide. No. Can't hide from God. So that but they still tried. We still try all the time. And so they were conscious of what they had done, and so they hid from him. And it's like, where are you? And they say, I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Um, it's, you know, I looked this up, and it says, shame typically comes up when you look inward with a critical eye and you evaluate yourself too harshly. Um, I think about God as the father. Um, I love in the shack. So in that scene in the shack, God is a, a mother, a grandmother type figure. But later, um, Mac is going through a really hard day, and God comes to him in the f- in the um, as a male, an older male, and says, "Today, I knew you were going to need me as a father." And um, I think about a father, and I'm like, I watch Micah with our kids, and I think about this moment as a dad. Like God knew what they did. <laughs> you know, your kids are going to do things, right? But you may be saddened by what they did because you know it could hurt them. But never once, I've been a parent for 20, you know, years now, never once have I ever, like my love never even shifted for a second. I don't know what that feels like. And I'm not perfect, and I'm not God. But I imagine, I really feel like parenting, that's one of the one things (laughs) we get right because it's like God inserts this thing into us and you love in a way that you didn't know was possible because I think it's the closest representation of his perfect love. Um, being married, is a, it's a choice, and you choose, but there's something about with your kid that God inserts his heart into you. And I think, like, what God is like in that moment in the garden is, like, I still see you, and I still see you as beautiful. You know, I believe the reason he didn't want them to eat that is because he didn't want that for them because he knew what it would create for them to struggle to see themselves. He never changed the way he saw them. They just couldn't believe that he could still see them the same way, which he did. And so, you know, God's original design is that we wouldn't be insecure in being seen and we wouldn't have to be working to be approved. And so the question is, is like, how do we cultivate that if we want to stay connected to God in our daily life? Um, One of the things, just like a practical thing that we started doing in our house a long time ago, and this was Micah completely 100 percent. And I'll tell this wrong. We always, like, we'll be telling stories somewhere at a restaurant, and I'll tell one version, and Mike is over there like, well, that ain't going to happen at all. So apologies in advance if I say this incorrectly. I should have fact-checked before I got up here. Um, but I remember one day um, we were at our house, and um, Micah had shared with me that God had, like, talked to him about um, God's pride in, like, his kids as the father and that, like, he's proud of us no matter what. And he had specifically directed Micah to start telling the kids that he was proud of them, just like, no reason, just I'm proud of you, to speak against that, like that lie and that deception that comes in as a, at a young age, and I'll never forget the first time that he did that, I don't remember exactly what age Gabriel was, Gabriel's 15 now, but I think he was probably about like seven or eight, is that right, Micah, he's about seven or eight-ish, okay, so he's about seven or eight, and we, I still remember it clear as, clear as can be, we're in the front room, and he just randomly out of nowhere, we're just hanging out, and he looks at Gabriel, and he says, I'm proud of you, And Gabriel just turns and looks at him and goes, why? And he's like, just because. And Gabriel, I mean, like, literally just, I mean, he's only seven, but he could not wrap his head around it. Of course he couldn't wrap his head around it because nobody ever says I'm proud of you without a reason, right? Like, you did a really great job at work. I'm so proud of you, Dave. Such a good job this week at work. Stacey, I'm so proud of you. That was an amazing sermon today. Liz, I'm so proud of you. You're doing a really great job on sound. But all the times, typically, that we use pride in someone, it's because they did something, because they performed. 
how often does someone come up to you and just like, hey, Canaan, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, why? No reason, I'm just proud of you. You're awesome. It's like, it like literally shifts something in your spirit to start to do that. So he started doing it. I started doing it with all the other kids. And it's crazy now because I'll just walk up to Gabriel and be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> A lot of times now he's like, you love me or you're proud of me? And I'm like, that's right. Um, but I'll just say I'm proud of you. And the response is thank you. And it's just this thing. And I, I think about how, I mean, I think that was just, I, I don't think, I know that was a divine encounter with literally voice of God, rhema word of God. He came to Micah, told Micah to do that. Micah obeyed. And I believe that just shifted because I was from Gabriel being seven till now to where our youngest kids just don't even think that's a thing. Just like, okay, cool. Everybody probably gets told their parents are proud of them because no reason, just because you're you. But I think how does that resonate in them learning that it's not about what you do? And so um, that's in commonplace because, you know, that's hard, but that's what we're trying to do is create a kingdom mindset for them around their identity instead of an earthly mindset, which is I have to do something before you're going to be proud of me. And so, um, you know, I was talking earlier, it's like there's times in worship where my mind clears and I just get that. I just get how God sees me. I get that identity. But for the most part, it's hard for me. And, you know, the reality is though, that what I have to remind myself is like in, in life, you have to practice things if you want them to become a discipline. And the spirit is just not different. God doesn't make these special, like, things that are different. Like, hey, when it's spiritual, it's going to be different. If you have to practice to get good at baseball, you also have to practice <laughs> to get good at the things of God. You have to practice things. And so engaging with heaven, spending time with the Lord, hearing his voice, um, knowing your identity, practice that, reminding yourself and find ways to make it a part of what you do, just like we did with our kids. Um, Ian Clayton, who is a guy that teaches, says um, that heaven is closer than the air that you breathe and that you can enter the veil at any time by just leaning into him. He literally describes it as just like turning your face like ever so slightly and like that you're through the veil and you've leaned into God. And it's, it's so interesting because I'll be honest. Let me just be real, real. I went to a conference in 2011. Ian Clayton was speaking. He's from, I think, New Zealand. Um, if you go and Google him, I just need you to be in a spirit of being prepared for it. Like, he's going to be talking about, like, going and traveling into, like, the cosmos and all the things, like, walking with God in the garden, which I believe. Have we read the Bible? I mean, honestly, there's some things, a lot of awesome things, which I believe all that. So for me, though, now it sounds easy. In 2011, I was sitting at this Ian Clayton conference, and I'm in the back row. And, like, I can't even tell you, like, my flesh was, like, warring against my spirit so hard. I'm like, this dude, nope. I just don't, I'm not, I don't feel, I don't think that this is the spirit. I am not at peace with this. And I'm like, and then I'm like, you know, as I kid the hand, I'm like, mm, but is that you? Is it actually not God, or is it actually just that you haven't experienced it yet, and so you assume that it must not be God because you're not comfortable with it? And then he started talking, and I was getting even more uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not trying to tell anybody I was here. Uh, and <laughs> it, was, it was something else. And it was, but anyway, until he, he that's where I learned about engaging heaven, and then during worship, like, the second night, I engaged heaven, I went to heaven. And then I'm like, well, I clearly can't say you're crazy because I just did the thing, and that happened. And it's just amazing, like, once we encounter where we're like, this guy's normal because now I am this guy. So if this guy's off his rocker, I'm definitely off mine too. And we, I don't want anybody thinking that. Okay, but seriously, um, so, you know, he, he always talks about, like, how close it is because I've never actually transported to heaven like, heaven has always come to me, and so, um, and or, actually, honestly, that could be wrong. I have zero idea how that works. I don't know what to tell you. It's just like being there while being here. So, um, anyway, it says in the word in First Thessalonians, which I didn't give this verse to Christy, but it says to pray without ceasing, ceasing, and I always thought when I read that, I'm like, does God not know that we have, like, jobs and kids and the things we have to be doing but it's not about like actually praying it's about engaging and like communicating with him and um you know the reality is is like in the garden things were easier because they were in relationship with God um recently um God was talking to me about how his um yoke is easy and it says in Matthew 11 um 28 through 30 that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
And so I was looking up a yoke, and a yoke is actually a wooden bar or frame by which two draft animals such as oxen are joined at the heads or necks for working together. And I was talking to a friend recently, and he's like, yeah, I just always remember that, like, I'm yoked with God. So this is literally like me with my head in one of these, and God is over here and his head is in the other. And so everything I'm doing, he's just carrying it. And I actually don't have to carry it because God can just carry it by himself. So it's mostly just being guided, but it's not heavy. I was like, that took me until this year to figure out. Honestly, I've heard that verse a million times, but there's something about getting this picture of it. And so now when I'm going through something that's hard, I like think about that and being yoked with God and being like, oh. I mean, it's like, honestly, if I have to move a big piece of furniture and Micah is with me, I feel like a lot better than if somebody that is, like, not Micah's stature. Like, me and Mercy were trying to move something the other day. We're doing that, like, little shuffle thing you do when you, like, can only move it for, like, two feet, and you, like, barely move your feet. Even though we did it, we rocked it, but Micah wasn't home. But if Micah was there, there's just this confidence. Like, hey, even if I drop my side, there's a good chance I'll get way less hurt because Micah's going to, like, help me out. Um, And so, anyway, uh, that is what God wants for us. And so I have too many more notes, and I actually want to do a time of engagement, so I'm going to try to move along real quick like and get to that. Um, So um, I guess the biggest thing that um, I would say before we're going to move, and we're actually going to do communion, and we're going to worship to a song called Communion. It's by Stephanie Gretzinger and Brandon Lake. Um, But the the most pervasive experience about engaging with heaven is the stillness and the peace. So I know different people are able to function in different levels of peace. Um, I've been, me and Mike have been married 22 years, and um, he just, he, he just knows that he knows that he knows that God is good, and God is in control, and that things will probably always be good, because God is good, and they'll always work out. So he actually is at peace way more than me. I'm like thinking, what is the worst case? How do I fix this? What is the questions? Like, because that's just how I am. Um, and so for me, when I, like, he can fall asleep, kid you not, in, like, less than 15 seconds. I will be laying in my bed, like, 45 minutes later, and, like, I'm running scenarios that are never going to happen in my head, thinking just, like, what? Go to bed. Um, and so, but the thing about heaven is it is, like, perfect stillness. No thoughts, no lies, no nothing, but just whatever is, like, worship accelerated except just spending time with God and that's the most beautiful thing about what his design is his design is for us to have that on earth but the cultivation and the work we have to do and the mindset we have to have to like stay engaged with that mindset on a daily basis it's a lot I would say like I'm a fraction of the way there like a fraction of a fraction because I know when I'm doing it like something will be going on at work and I'm like okay, Holy Spirit, I'm not operating in peace. I'm operating out of fear. What do you want me to do? And it's just like he guides me. And then there's most of the time, and I'm like, what do I need to do? I don't know. Google it. What would Vicky do? Like, I mean, I laughed like there was a what would Jesus do. But honestly, if we just did that more, like this is me most of the time, like 2% of the time, I'm like, what would the Holy Spirit do? What would God do? What would Jesus do? And then like the 98%, I'm like, what would Vicky do? And I'm like, that's probably better. I mean, <laughs> no, but I know that it's not, right? But we just default to flesh. Like, and, and God wants us, he wants us to get to where it becomes a part of our muscle memory to default to his voice relationship with him. So um, before we do the communion and the communion song, I'm just going to read one verse, one of my favorite verses. Um, my father-in-law, Kent Ellis, uh, did a s- series a while back about um, the restoration that God wanted to do from the garden. And he, he gave this verse at the time, and it's stuck with me ever since. It's in Isaiah, Isaiah 50, um, verses 4 and 5. And it says, um, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I will not be rebellious. I have not turned away. So in that verse when it says that he um, wakens me morning by morning to hear the word of the Lord, it's the rhema word of God, not the Bible, but his actual spoken voice. And so the only way that we can um, restore what God's design is of heaven on earth 
is if we are talking to him, getting the rhema word of God, and getting his blueprints for what he wants to do here. Um, Lance Wall and I wrote a book a while back called The Seven Mountains, and he talked about God's design to restore the mountain of education, the mountain of media, the mountain of family, and so forth. And God's design from heaven is to administrate the government of God through the church for the restoration of heaven on earth. And that comes when we begin to get his blueprints, his plans for ourselves, our marriages, our families, and our community. Because, you know, the thing is, is God's ways are not our ways, and they are higher than our ways. And um, so we have to be hearing those because we will always, I mean, God made us, right? So he made us to be awesome. I say you're awesome all the time. I also say you're the best. And people are like, you can't call me the best and everybody else the best. I'm like, I don't know. God probably does. He thinks everybody's his favorite. So everybody can be the best to me. I don't mean it like as like some little thing I say. I just really look at you and I'm like, oh, man, Robert, you're the best. And I mean it. Um, But, you know, God designed us where he gave us each an intentional design. And he designed us at a point in time and placed us here because there was something that we had to bring to the earth that no one else could bring. That's a sermon for, my, for another day, but I will just say this before we lead into communion. If you begin to cultivate a relationship with God where you're engaging him in this way in heaven and you're having him teach you and know you, he will reveal to you what is on your scroll. So I believe that on the sixth day, God, it says he designed man and women, man and woman on the sixth day. And then he finished and said this was good. I believe that was all of all people for all time. And then he placed them into the earth at different points. And so God gave a unique thing that is your unique thing. And so the question I would encourage you as we're going into communion and we're going into this time is, first of all, just ask him how you can encounter him more and hear him more and partner with him more on a daily basis. But also ask him what you are made to be that no other person is made to be. I think about how sometimes, you know, like we take spiritual gifts tests, which I think are amazing. Um, But it's like, am I a pastor? Am I a teacher? Am I a servant? Am I an evangelist? Am I all these things? And you might be many of those things. Um, I have several of the giftings on the gifts test. But there is only one thing that only you are, that no one else can be. And if you can learn what that thing is and how to administrate that, that is when you will create a certain change on the earth that brings his design. So for me, I know what my thing is, though it's been about 20, 30 years now of just figuring out what does that mean. Uh, One of my first favorite verses in the Bible is that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And we are the kings, and it is our glory to search out what God wants to reveal to us. And so when I was like eight years old, Bob Jones prophesied over me, a bunch of us here. And part of that word that God told me later, which is what was my design on earth, was it said that you will be eyes for the body of Christ. Cool. You can't find that in the dictionary or on a gifts test. And that's the cool thing about asking God, what is that thing that he made you to do? Is that he is the only one that can reveal it because it is him who designed you for it. And so over 30 years, I've literally said over and over again, because I just kept reading that, I'm like, I don't know what that means. And so he showed me that what my call is, is to see people the way he sees them and call them into the fullness of how they can be that through intercession or through speaking it. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, okay, so I'm starting a children's home because I'm using that gift to see families brought to restoration. It's why with my kids, I get so excited about researching their names and seeing who they are. It's why I love with employees, like sewing into that unique thing that they can do, because that's what I am. Eyes for the body of Christ to see and bring to life the best I know how, what they are. And each person has a different thing. So um, Jesus wants to meet you. He wants to reveal things to you. If you think that you can't hear from God, you can. And if you haven't and you're not in this way, you can. Just keep trying, keep practicing, keep doing it. He will he will do these things. Sometimes it just takes time. So I know it can be frustrating if you try and try. And you're like, I remember when we first did it with our kids, they're like, I just see black. Am I supposed to see, I mean, over and over, am I supposed to see something other than black? I just keep doing it. It'll come. And eventually, oh, I saw this. Oh, I'm seeing that. It might take you months, years. God, he wants you to, he loves to play hide and seek. Just remember that. He loves to play hide and seek. He wants you to seek him. 
So we are going to do communion. Um, I'm going to have it up here, and I'm going to have you guys, if you want to participate, you do not have to. If you want to participate, you can come to the front and get it. And um, we're going to do this song, and we're going to soak, and we're going to pray, and we're going to engage. I would encourage you to get yourself in a posture to engage heaven and ask Jesus how he wants to meet you this morning in your garden. So, Christy, if you can dim the lights, you can go ahead and put worship on, and we're just going to enter into his presence. The place we've always belonged Right here Take me back to the garden All right, guys, so um, Lead me back Y'all can take communion as you feel led And uh, I'm going to tell you how I, uh, Chrissy, you can keep it up, it's fine uh, I'm going to tell you how I engage heaven. This is how he Clayton teaches it. If you feel led to do it, you can. If you're not comfortable, you can. Jesus will meet you where you are. Um, but, you know, God is all about um, activation and about entering into something by taking a step into something. And so um, what I do when I'm in worship or when I'm at my house um, to engage with him, just to learn how to do it, was literally to stand. And then prepare myself to enter through the veil into heaven. And I actually physically take one step forward through the veil. And then open both my arms. And then I'm there. And just wait. So if you're comfortable to do that, just prepare yourself during this about next eight minutes. And when you're ready, just take that step. And as you open your arms, just breathe in and ask him to encounter you. This is the garden. Here in the place I find you close. This is
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.